Welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You are joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hi. Coming up on today's show, three of Scooter Braun's biggest stars have all reportedly left him within the space of a week. So what the hell is going on? Plus, everything we know about Britney Spears and Sam Asghari's ugly divorce. Jack Antonoff had a star-studded wedding to Margaret Qualley. People are very, very irritated by Disney's <laughs> live-action remake of Snow White and are taking its young star to task. And finally, what the hell happened between podcaster Bobby Altoff and Drake? I I cannot <laughs> wait to talk about all of it. And I'm not sure I have the answer for the last question. <laughs> I'm so confused. But first, Michelle, how was your week? A good week. Guys, on Friday night, I sat down with my sister and my mum and we flicked on Netflix and the first thing to pop up was the Depp v. Heard documentary series. Have either of you watched it? I have not. I contemplated, but it felt heavy and I wasn't ready. Okay. (laughs) I I think that's a good decision. I Mm. think it is a little heavy. I think this documentary series is everything we wanted last year when we saw the real, just like complete clusterfuck, dare I say, of this court trial, of the social media commentary around it. This is a very balanced three-part series that, in my opinion, does a great job of being fair. And I just highly recommend it to anyone who watched that whole thing unfold last year and felt like they really needed an impartial take, impartial analysis. I think this is the place to go. Yeah, so you think it's as close as we're going to get? I think so. And I think it really tightly focused on social media and how social media played such an interesting role in this trial and the judge's decision to have the trial live streamed to the world. I feel like that is such an interesting discussion point and this documentary really does hone in on that in particular, which I loved. How interesting. I've got to agree with Annabelle. Mm. I don't know if I'm there yet with this. (laughs) I think eventually like I do want to dive back into this story and sort of properly assess it with a little bit more hindsight. Mm. But I think the heaviness of it is still with me a little Mm, bit. Fair. And the complicated nature of it. But I think it is otherwise good timing for this to drop. And I hope that so many people who were part of that social media movement or who might have streamed the trial the whole time can watch it as well. Yes, absolutely. Look, we put it on and we were like, is this going to be a real slog? I think it's three one-hour episodes and we watched all three back-to-back, no breaks. Like it wasn't even a question that we would watch the whole thing. So if you're on the fence, I think you should probably jump in and just see what you think of it. Okay, well, if you need a lighter recommendation. (laughs) I was about to say, what about you? What have you got for us? So I actually listened to Time's Person of the Week podcast with Jack Antonoff. Now, they dropped this about a week ago. I had no sense that Jack Antonoff was getting married Mm. that weekend. Obviously, with hindsight, that's why they dropped it when they did. And I just honestly knew very little of Jack Antonoff as a person before I listened to this episode. Do you guys know that much about him? I know that he was with Lena Dunham for six years. And then I also know the conspiracy theories about how that may be ended involving Singer Lord. And then on top of that, of course, I know him to be Taylor Swift's most like successful collaborator. When they get in a writing room, magic happens, baby. That's exactly <laughs> right, Annabelle. I know all of that too. <laughs> and that like iconic getaway car clip of him and Taylor Which, just riffing. I would say that iconic getaway car clip that you're talking about is from the Miss Americana documentary. It's of them writing, the process of writing getaway car. There is no doubt in my mind you will never find a better 45 second clip of anything on the internet <laughs> ever. I will watch that clip. I would say twice a week. (laughs) I do. My boyfriend doesn't know the lyrics of the Getaway Car song. He knows the lines of that video um, and where the screams fall into it. I love that so much. No, you're absolutely right. I did go into a bit of a rabbit hole when it came to the Lena Dunham Lord thing, Mm. which I don't even know if we have time for today (laughs) after I listened to this episode. But I just adored it. The way he spoke about 
music I have such respect for it and clearly he's such a master of his craft but I think when you hear people who are celebrities Mm. talk about their craft I suddenly have just like this just this humongous level of respect for what he does and I kind of forgot that he was really creative I just thought of him (laughs) sort of thought of him as the celebrity that works for Taylor Swift yeah Taylor's bestie yeah exactly and he gave this example and I'm gonna absolutely butcher it but I really liked it and I wanted to try and bring it to the show but I don't know if it's gonna land about what it's like in creative spaces when you are trying to chase trends Mm. and he was saying it's really hard in music because music follows trends too every few years they cycle through trends as we would with fashion or anything else and he says I've just got to stay true to what I do and he said the way that I think about it is if you want to think about the culture and what is trending imagine an upwards line but it's going from side to sky squiggling okay Mm -hmm. right and you see that line and he's like that's the culture and that's the trends it's just squiggling side to side but moving in an upwards trajectory I consider myself to be a straight line constantly. And there are times that the culture will hit me. Oh, that's really cool. And there are times that it won't. And that's okay. I just need to sort of stand tall through it. Do my thing. Yeah, Mm. do my thing. And at some point it'll come back and that'll be fine. But if you're constantly trying to chase trends and chase the culture, you're likely going to miss it. Yeah. I hear quotes like that and I think, what do I think about day-to-day? Because I don't think <laughs> like that ever. I think it's a really, for me, I was like, that's a really good way for me to approach maybe mm. dressing and fashion. Mm. I think in a world where we're talking a lot about fast fashion and, you know, wanting to be conscious of what we're buying, to not chase trends and to try and really stand tall in what you want to wear, just have faith that the trend will come back. Yeah. This was the message I took from it. And I think we're more likely to hold on to stuff and be a bit more authentic that way. It's a bit of an earnest way to start, but I really liked it. I mean, I took us really dark. You <laughs> took us really earnest. Let's pivot and go to Scooter Braun. Let's go to Scooter Braun. Guys, I am sure you have seen the headlines around this week. His name is everywhere. And I do have to say from the outset, I'm not sure how this segment is going to age. <laughs> this feels like the story that could explode at any moment. And by the time you're listening to this, it could have taken a big pivot. But boy, we're doing our best. <laughs> to break the fourth wall, we were sitting at our desks and Zara kept sighing to be like, this is just going to change. We're going to do this I'm segment. Like, what the fuck is the point of this? <laughs> I just, I do think that it definitely feels like something in the, is in the water with Scooter Braun and it's just so close to coming out. Yeah. As far as smoky news goes, this is as smoky as it gets. So Scooter Braun, obviously. Obviously, is the guy most commonly known for two things. He's mostly known for discovering Justin Bieber and making Justin Bieber a star when he was very, very young. He's also known for acquiring, or in Taylor Swift's opinion, stealing her entire back catalogue of music when she was not on good terms with him. Now, he has wound up in quite a few headlines over the last week and all of those headlines are centre on the fact that his biggest names are leaving him. Correct. So the first we heard of any trouble brewing was actually from an article from Puck News. If you haven't heard of Puck News, that's all right. I, I don't have a lot <laughs> myself to do with Puck News. Um, You're okay. You're all right. Now, it is a, it's a sort of a new age media outlet. It's a couple of years old. It does cover everything from politics to tech to Hollywood. The main pop culture journalist at Puck News is actually one of its co-founders. It's a guy called Matthew Baloney. Now, he is the former editorial director from The Hollywood Reporter. He was there for four years. So this guy is not just some rogue guy on the internet. Mm. He has a history, a storied history in the entertainment industry. He's well connected. Completely. I would say with Puck News, they, I reckon they maybe tend to go slightly earlier than other news outlets. Yeah, I agree. They're also, they really run on a subscription model. So I think they tend to write headlines that will get people to subscribe and like sign up to paying $100 a year, I think it is, to get access to all their content. So I think their whole monetization model is predicated on this idea that we need to hook people in so they love a hooky story. Correct. Now, over the weekend, Matthew Baloney publishes a piece titled Justin Bieber and Scooter Braun Haven't Talked in Months. In the piece, he wrote this, I heard this week that Justin Bieber has been poking around for a new agency or manager, which begged the question, what about Scooter Braun? Turns out that Bieber and the manager who built his empire and his ridiculous public persona on Bieber's talents haven't spoken in months per month 
multiple sources. It's tough because Bieber signed a new management deal right before Braun sold his Ithaca Holdings to South Korean giant Hybe in 2021, and Bieber still has time left on that. So neither side is confirming a split, but I'm told they're headed separate ways and their lawyers are involved. When I saw this story, I have to be honest, I wasn't sure what was going on. I wasn't convinced that it was true. And it certainly didn't help when a spokesperson told New York Magazine's Vulture that it wasn't true from any angle. This is where I got really confused at this point in the story. Yeah, for sure. That quote from the spokesperson was, reps for all parties confirm this is not true. So it's strange. I mean, we've got Matthew Baloney, who's quite well-placed and is well-connected, saying this is happening. And then you've got a legitimate spokesperson saying absolutely not. To that denial, Matthew Baloney tweeted this. Justin Bieber's rep put out a statement denying the Scooter Braun portion of the Puck News report. Bieber, who is still contractually bound to Braun, did this as a face-saving favour to Braun. Translation, don't believe it. Yeah, So he's really defending his reporting. doubling down. That's a triple down, I would say. Now, Variety magazine also spoke to a source who confirmed that, yes, it was happening. And that's where it sort of settled. And Mm. I saw all that and was definitely intrigued and was like, there's messiness here. I can't understand what's going on. And then the Hollywood Reporter announced that Demi Lovato on Tuesday morning was leaving Scooter Braun as well. And that's when everything started to roll into place, hey? Yes. The Hollywood Reporter's article read as follows. Demi Lovato has parted ways with talent manager Scooter Braun, whom she signed on to in 2019. Billboard reports that Lovato is seeking new management after splitting with Braun last month. Representatives for the singer and Braun did not immediately reply to the Hollywood Reporter's requests for comment. The other thing that I find probably important to note at this point is Demi Lovato has really publicly defended Scooter Braun in the past, particularly when there was a lot of controversy around him buying Taylor Swift's masters. She put out statements saying he is incredibly loyal, he is an incredible manager. And so it does lead you to believe this news that whatever's happening for all of these people to cut ties, and of course we're guessing here, Mm. but we're doing some math, (laughs) has to be more extreme than anything we've seen, any controversy we've seen of Scooter Braun to date. Two hours after the Demi Lovato news, Matthew Baloney enters the chat again to tweet this. News, Ariana Grande has parted ways with Scooter Braun as her manager with my favourite emoji, (laughs) the two eyes. The eyes emoji. The eyes emoji. Then we got news that two of his other big stars, Idina Menzel and Jay Belvin, were leaving too. So at this stage, I mean, look, it's a tricky one because Scooter Braun's a businessman. Part of his business is managing stars. This is obviously like a very public, very emphatic distancing of his biggest stars. I don't really know what to make of it. It's also that a big part of his brand is being connected to these stars. Like I don't know many managers that have a public profile like Scooter Braun. Such a big part of his brand is being associated with Justin Bieber and Ariana Grande and Demi Lovato that for them to be distancing themselves from him is huge. It's huge not just for business but for brand. I mean, there's a, there's a whole lot of reporting going on at the moment that's trying to hint towards what could be going on behind the scenes. Variety ran a report that spoke to two sources on Wednesday morning. One said that there are unsavory revelations on the way and that, and I quote, he is imploding. It's a different world since the pandemic. You just can't be an asshole like that anymore. What do you mean it's a different world since the pandemic? It's like, I meet just as many assholes. Yeah. <laughs> Another source Variety spoke to, though, gave a completely opposite story. This source says he's just getting out of management. He has been for years. That's the real story. So we've got half of the sources saying something big is on the way. The other half saying, no, 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 he's just he doesn't want to be a celebrity manager anymore. He's CBF. <laughs> I just, it can't, it's not, I, it's frankly not that. It is not the latter. He also has, dare I say, Scooter Braun's ego is that, as you said, Zara, he wants to be BFFs with all the celebs. He's constantly posting photos with his arms around them. He's constantly seen out and about with them. 
How would that just change overnight that he's like, nah, I don't want to manage I want a qu- Justin and Ariana I want anymore. a quiet life. Like, no. Yeah. The other thing that I find fascinating here is about a week ago, I saw pap photos of Scooter on Jeff Bezos's yacht with Katy Perry, Orlando Bloom. I think Usher was there. And it made me wonder if all of this has happened very quickly in the space yeah. of a week, that maybe something has come out that has, you know, prompted all of these big stars to cut their ties or if what he's trying to schmooze the richest man in the world because he knows what's about to happen. Jeff, help me please. I don't know (laughs) and I don't know how this segment is going to age but let's wait and see. Coming up after the break, everything we know about Britney Spears and Sam Asghari's ugly divorce, Jack Antonoff and Margaret Qualley's massive wedding, and then we need to talk about the Disney live-action remake of Snow White and all that controversy. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it's time for the quick and dirty. Every week we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Zara, we said this before we started recording. You're looking very chic oh, today. McDonald. Yes. Thanks. There was actually a little convo off mic we just had then. Michelle's like, I don't have a nickname for you. And I said, because we've had no personality. <laughs> we, just, we haven't committed to a personality. Happy to be chic today. Thanks for the compliment. What have you got for us? My first story, exclusive. Britney Spears splits with husband, headed for divorce. That is from TMZ. I've got to say, I was actually surprised when I saw this headline in this episode today because it feels like it's been longer than a week that these two have been split. Yes. Well, the headline you just read out, Zara, was kind of the first we heard of this and then this story has evolved and developed so much. There has been so much leaking from both sides. We have a lot of information to get through. TMZ did get the jump on the newest celebrity divorce of 2023, though. Britney Spears and her husband of one year, Sam Asghari, are done definitely done. They are 41 and 29 respectively, which I kind of forget that there's a 12-year age gap between these two. Sam Asghari is still in his 20s. They got married in June of last year, but were said to have already been struggling with marital problems. There were reports I found dating back over the last few months that said they hadn't been living together for a long time. There was trouble afoot, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, if you're in the Britney universe this might not have come as a huge surprise. Yeah, and I think one thing to note before we properly get into some of the weeds of this is it it's not a nice story. There are mm. there's a lot of leaking on both sides, but our job is to sort of lay out what's going on, so that's what we're going to do. The TMZ report opened as follows. Britney Spears and her husband, Sam Asghari, have separated after a nuclear argument that involves allegations of cheating, TMZ has learned. Sources with direct knowledge tell TMZ about a week ago, Sam confronted Britney over rumours she stepped out on him. We don't know if the rumour has any basis in fact, but we're told Sam believed it and the two had a huge fight. Our sources say Sam has moved out of their house and is now living in a place of his own, as one source put it, it is only a matter of time before Sam files for divorce. Yikes. The report went on. There has been deep trouble with the couple's union for months. Sam wasn't sleeping at the house much and we're told Brittany has gotten physical with him in blowout fights that include frequent screaming matches. All right. So I think the way I read the TMZ report is that someone close to Sam has been that source because I think it really paints one kind of picture. Over in page six, though, which is TMZ's rival when it comes to tabloid stories, we got a very different kind of spin on this story. Page six ran the headline, Sam Asghari threatening to release extraordinarily embarrassing Britney Spears info if prenup is not renegotiated. That, again, was from a source. Their story opened with, He's pleading, gimme more. Sam Asghari allegedly wants his estranged wife, pop superstar Britney Spears, to pay him more than what their prenup provides in return for keeping her secrets following their split, Page Six has exclusively learned. And it's just stories like that that do make you start worrying, of course. Mm. You know, as we know, Britney left her conservatorship a couple of years ago. And Sam Asghari, at least from the outside, has been maybe the one pillar of consistency in that time. And I think naturally people have looked at that relationship and wondered, you know, what 
the nature of it mm. is. I know Octavia Spencer commented when they got engaged. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yes. It was like, girl, get, get, him, a in, get him in a prenup. Oh, so there's yeah. definitely been eyes on this. And I think to see headlines like the page six one are just pretty devastating because it might be people's worst fears coming to fruition. Yeah, being realised. I think definitely there is a sentiment out there that maybe Sam Asghari is someone to be cautious of or maybe keep an eye on. I agree with that. This page six article was definitely of that belief. The source told them, Sam is attempting to negotiate concessions beyond his prenup and threatening to go public with information about Britney unless he gets paid. So that is what Sam is focused on. Another source told page six, it's blackmail and it will never happen. Eventually the piece concluded. This was like, I was actually kind of surprised from page six. This was as emphatic as you will probably see from a celebrity tabloid, they had a sentence at the very end that concluded that Sam Asghari's victim narrative, I have that in quotation marks, was, and I quote, a much different story than our sources claims. So like you almost can't get two more polar opposite viewpoints. Completely. Now, sure enough, the following day, TMZ the publication we suspect Sam Asghari might be talking to, published this. Sam has claimed Britney asked at least one staffer to shoot video of her naked. Not only that, we're told Sam believes she hooked up with at least one of the male staff members working for her at home. As for how Sam supposedly knows, our sources say he claims there's footage of Britney and the staffer together in a compromising position. Yikes. Yeah, just the kind of stuff that no one really needs to be talking about outside of a relationship, to be totally honest with you. After this, Brittany wrote on Instagram about the split, six years is a long time to be with someone, so I'm a little shocked, but I'm not here to explain why because it's honestly nobody's business. But I couldn't take the pain anymore, honestly. She went on, you're supposed to be loved unconditionally, not under conditions, so I will be as strong as I can and do my best, and I'm actually doing pretty damn good. Anyways, have a good day and don't forget to smile. It's a really interesting one because it's one of those stories where I don't think there's necessarily a hero and a villain. I think maybe this was a really messy relationship and we're seeing that mess play out publicly. It's a complicated one to make sense of. I think it's increasingly complicated given we know that Britney's memoir is actually scheduled for release in just a couple of months. I imagine she has written about her marriage and about Sam. They were together for six years, as you just said in that quote, Zara. I imagine there's plenty of mentions about Sam in this book. I imagine all the books have been printed and are on their way to bookshops. I am wondering, would the publisher think it's going to be better for them to have Brittany actually rewrite parts or her ghostwriter rewrite parts of this narrative and kind of have it up to date now that this divorce is clearly going to be going through? I just wonder what the conversations are behind the scenes because I think the book that was written a couple of months ago might actually be very, very different to the current situation. Yeah, our second story. Maya Jama and Stormzy spotted laughing <laughs> and joking backstage at Music Festival after Love Island host jets in to support X. That is from the sun. <laughs> He's not an ex. He's Shall a new boyfriend. <laughs> so, alrighty, what's going on with Maya Jama and Stormzy? Longtime listeners of the show will know we are potentially a little too invested in their relationship. <laughs> they did date for four years. They split in 2019. Stormzy, of course, is a superstar singer. A new love of mine, Maya. <laughs> Maya is the host of Love Island, among so many other things. She was actually engaged to Ben Simmons yes. a couple, oh, like a year or yeah. so ago. You just couldn't make me care more about <laughs> these two people. Yeah, and since they broke up, Stormzy has written some sad songs and admitted both in the songs and in interviews that he still missed her. And I don't think I'm going too far to say that he's admitted it's one of the biggest mistakes of his life. Oh yes, I, I am. Curious- putting words in his mouth, (laughs) but I think it's true. No, he makes it quite clear in quite a few interviews that he was not the boyfriend he wished he could be. And that if he had his time over, maybe he would be a better boyfriend. And he has said it's not that he cheated or anything. No, no, no. Just to make um, that clear. I think he could have made her a bigger priority. Yes, absolutely. And there's there's definitely a lot of love there. A lot of love. There's so much love here. So... (laughs) Over the weekend, Stormzy was headlining the All Points East Festival in London's Victoria Park. Maya was there. She 
reportedly flew back from Ibiza on a private jet to watch the performance. Now, the opening line from The Sun, who wrote about this and had the pap photos of her there and talking to Stormzy, (laughs) was interesting. I quite liked this line. Maya Jama flew back from Ibiza on a private jet to support her ex Stormzy on Friday and had an intimate moment with him as my exclusive pictures show. Wait, so the writer took the photos? (laughs) These are mine. That's what I mean. It's like... I've never heard a writer say mine. Me either. I was like, is this writer an egomaniac? (laughs) It's always Al. They're a team. Maybe this was a writer who was actually an intern and just didn't have this checked because you definitely don't say my exclusive pictures. Unless the writer sort of moonlights as a path. (laughs) They're not technically their exclusive photos. Anyway... Maya watched his two-hour set from the front row in sort of the photographer's pit. She was apparently with Idris Elba as well, just as another. Just celebs all know each other, I guess. And once the set was over, she was papped talking to him. And I would say it is not an overstatement to say it was an intimate conversation. They're sort of sitting on two chairs without a table between them and they're leaning towards each other. It's getting like almost whispering in the ear. Yeah. It's like a, like a little side moment where you are intimately chatting in each other's like necks almost. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, while he was on stage as well, Stormzy said to the crowd, this is one of the greatest nights of my life. This is my hometown. You lot are my family. As long as I'm here, And as long as I have a career, I will not stop saying thank you. You lot have changed my life. You've changed my family's life. I love you, Maya. Yeah, no, (laughs) he didn't say that, but he could have. He should have. Now, the other thing that we weren't able to talk about because we were on break is Maya actually did a profile with British Vogue in July where she did acknowledge how invested people have been and still are in their relationship. She said, none of us really knew the level of importance it held to a certain group of people, us being together. We were both super ambitious. We were both from similar upbringings and we were both just little grafters that have made something good of ourselves. To reading the profile, reading those quotes and looking at the photos, I actually don't think they're together. Oh, okay. What the fuck? I know. Sorry. What the fuck? How? Why would she jump on a private jet? Look, <laughs> Sorry, I'm going around in a million different places. I think they're good mates. I think it's been four years now. And I don't quite know how it works because if there's still a lot of love there from Stormzy, it's not an easy friendship to have. I just would be very surprised if they were back together. That's okay. all. I mean, you are the oracle. You did predict the Matildas would lose last week. So maybe I, I didn't should predict take... the score, though. No, you didn't. But you do remain the oracle. And perhaps I should listen to you here. Against that, though, against my better judgment, I will declare that they are together. They're having babies. It's well all very done. nice. Congratulations, Myron Stormzy. <laughs> Our third story, Margaret Qualley marries Jack Antonoff at star-studded New Jersey wedding. That is from Vanity Fair. This became quite the spectacle. I mean, of course it did. For the unfamiliar, Margaret Qualley is a star in her own right. She was the lead actress in Made. Did you guys watch that? I did watch that. She was brilliant in that. She is also a Nepo baby. Yes, she is. Her mother is Andy McDowell, best known, of course, for the greatest movie of all time. Uh, Andy McDowell. I'm blank. I can picture her face. She, she was in the funeral, Four Weddings and a Funeral. That's it. Oh, that is a banger film. Uh, yes. Not outrageous for me to say best movie of all time. No, I actually think very accurate. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so <laughs> Margaret, daughter of Andy McDowell and uh, the dad. Someone <laughs> Paul. Oh, his name's Paul Qualley. Okay. Uh, and Jack and Margaret have been together for two years. Now, Margaret Qualley is 28. Jack Antonoff is actually 39. Sorry. What? He's 39. Oh, my God. That's yeah. one of those. I thought he would be 29. Well, consider this. I don't know if people saw this on Twitter over the weekend. This is like a mini Are You a Need of some Intrigue. In 2001, he was in high school with Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. and they dated in their final year of high school and went to prom together. I did see this on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah, so how would you be 29 and yeah. in high school in 2001? He, he's age. I don't know what skincare he's using, but he looks he amazing. Looks youthful as. Yeah. yeah, now these two got together shortly after Margaret Qualley split from Shia LaBeouf. Oh, of yes. course, Shia LaBeouf in 2021 was the subject of domestic violence allegations. Margaret Qualley was with him at that time. They split very soon after that, and Margaret Qualley has since given quotes on the record 
supporting FKA Twigs, mm. who was the one who made those allegations. Mm. So soon after that, she met Jack. They got engaged after a year. Now they're getting married or got married, I should say, in New Jersey. I also really liked her dress. I just Me want to too. put that out there. Very silky and well, like I chill. I loved both of her. her dresses. She looked amazing. She looked amazing. The wedding was big. The guest list was star-studded. I mean, we had Lana Del Rey, Channing Tatum, Zoe Kravitz, Cara Delevingne, Mae Whitman and Taylor Swift. It is an interesting conversation. I mean, they had a rehearsal dinner and word got around that Taylor Swift was in this town in New Jersey and she shut down the streets. People came in droves to see Taylor Swift, were apparently screaming her name up to this restaurant and the police had to shut down all surrounding roads for public safety. It would be so interesting to be in Jack Antonoff's shoes where one of your best friends in the world who you love dearly, also comes with that kind of like baggage. spectacle, yeah. spectacle baggage nuisance, dare I say. It's not Taylor Swift's fault, but it's just a reality of her being the superstar she is. And it would be interesting to be Taylor Swift and know that when you go to your friend's events, unfortunately, everyone else is going to make it about you when you actually just want to celebrate someone else. Yeah, I think it was... Quite a thing to behold watching her shut down, not from her own volition, those streets, the fans who shut down those streets, I should have said, because you couldn't help but think that, like, God, everyone does deserve their private moments with their friends. Yeah. And Jack Antonoff and Margaret Qualley certainly deserve to, to be have, the star of the show. To be the star of their own show. And I know they're fine. They're pretty famous in their own right. Yeah. But it was just disappointing to see. It's also just unusual. I understand if Taylor Swift was at a shopping centre or something, if people kind of flooded around her, but she's at a private event with her friends and family. I just find it unusual behaviour that you would want to go and be that nuisance. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, Taylor Swift and Jack Antonoff are close. She reportedly, according to Page Six, gave a 15-minute toast at the wedding. (laughs) That's a long one. I would say about 12 minutes too long. (laughs) Um, But she is Taylor Swift and I guess she can do what she wants. As we know, these two have worked so closely together on so much of her music, especially from like the 1989 era. And it's really nice to know that I don't know. She gave a speech. I was sort of proud. (laughs) There were also a lot of speeches at this wedding. We had Andy McDowell and Paul Qualley, Margaret's parents. We had Rick Antonoff and Shira Antonoff, so Jack's parents. They also had two of Margaret's siblings, one of Jack's siblings, and a filmmaker (laughs) called Paul Downs Coliato, who also gave a speech. (laughs) Just uh, a lot of speeches. How interesting. I am a big fan of a speech at the wedding. I love speeches. I love a good speech. I'm sorry. Mm. Annabelle, nice. I love a good speech. <laughs> one of my favourite things about my wedding was my loved one's speeches. So I don't know, but I read that and I'm like, that is a lot of people though. And if one of them's giving a 15 minute yeah. long speech, I'm like, oh my God, the whole night might have been speeches, but they all might have just been loving it. <laughs> Who am I to judge? Diplomatic as ever. I know. Who am I to judge? I am judging <laughs> my poor story. Rachel Zegler's comments about upcoming role in Snow White spark internet outrage. That is from the ABC. All right, guys. So a live action remake of Snow White is coming out in March next year. It's starring Rachel Zegler as Snow White and Gal Gadot as the evil stepmother queen. The very idea of what this film is going to be, despite it not being out, despite nobody really having watched it yet, is already making people very, very, very mad online. A bit of context on Rachel Zegler, the star of Snow White. She's 22. She's already won a Golden Globe before. She actually got named Best Actress in a Musical for her role in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story a couple of years ago. We should also say that she was not at all famous before she got that role. She kind of put in an application, 30,000 people also did, and she won the role. So she has not grown up in this industry, nor has she grown up famous. Yeah, she's been really plucked out of nowhere, put on a huge stage, got on this huge award and then being put on an even bigger stage, I would say, in the Snow White yeah. remake. Zara, do you want to give a quick refresher on Snow White as a premise? Well, uh, yes, now I do. <laughs> Yesterday, before we actually researched the premise of Snow White, we were all trying to guess from our memories and let me tell you, no one could get it. It was a real mishmash of Little Mermaid, Princess and the Pea, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty and the Beast. I f- didn't even realise that Beauty and the Beast and Sleeping Beauty were two different fairy tales. Annabelle, do you know what Snow White is about? Snow White is about a gal who's got an <laughs> evil stepmother 
the stepmother has always been the most beautiful person in the realm, but then oh, Snow White yeah. overtakes. I know my fairy tales. Annabelle was out of the office for this uh, conversation. Yeah. You would have been mortified at how it went. So you are right. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was written in 1812 by the Brothers Grimm, and it follows the story of a princess and her stepmother, as Bravo. Annabelle said. The stepmother is threatened by Snow White's beauty, and to tackle this, tries to kill her. But Snow White escapes, lives in the forest with the Seven Dwarves, but is a eventually put to sleep by her stepmother's poisoned apple. She's sort of laid to rest in that glass casket, of course, and a year later... Of course. (laughs) Where else would she go? (laughs) It would obviously be glass. A year later, the handsome prince comes along, kisses her, and she comes back to life, of course. Bit odd to kiss a corpse, but that's okay. (laughs) She moves to the castle to live happily ever after. I understand the Sleeping Beauty confusion. I I just got, got real confused for a second, but yes, that is the story. A cartoon based on that story, on that fairy tale, came out a hundred years, more than, I think it was 120 years after it was written. So it was in the 1930s. Now it seems, almost a hundred years after the cartoon, Disney is hell-bent on bringing it back. But not in its 1800s form. They want to give it a completely modern twist. We know as such because Rachel Zegler has told us so. Last year, in an interview with Variety, she had this exchange with a reporter. You said you were bringing a modern edge to it on stage. What do you mean by that? I just mean that it's no longer 1937. And we absolutely wrote a Snow White. That she's is, not going to be yeah, saved by the prince. She's not going to be saved by the prince. And she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be. And the leader that her late father told her that she could be if she was fearless, fair, brave, and true. And so it's just a really incredible story for, I think, young people everywhere to see themselves in. Snow White is running for president. <laughs> I'm launching my campaign. I am. Okay, so they've very much outlined the plan. Yeah, we're not talking about love. There is no love story. This is about becoming a leader. Correct. On the same day, she also had this exchange with Extra TV that we're going to play out to you because this is another one going viral at the moment. The original cartoon came out in 1937, and very evidently so. (laughs) Um, There is a big focus on her love story. Um, with a guy who literally stalks her. Yeah. <laughs> weird. Weird. Super weird. So we didn't do that this time. All right. So that's the second clip that is going viral on TikTok. Catching fire on TikTok. Yes. I had no idea these snippets were a year old. I thought they were brand new. We've seen these. These started to be shared at the very end of July, but this has hit like an apex this week to the point where ABC News is writing about what the hell's going on. You know when ABC is picking up a story like this, it's big. I agree with you, Zara. I thought they were from interviews in July. They're from interviews in September 2022. Why is it becoming so big now? Why are people suddenly deciding to care? I I mean, it's a very internet thing. I say why. <laughs> they just decide to care about random things at random times. I don't know what made this so relevant now, but it definitely exploded while we were on break and it's definitely exploding as we even speak about it. And TikTok in particular is running wild with commentary. One user with the username Nutty Butter. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, she liked that one. <laughs> called out Rachel Zegler. She called Rachel Zegler smug. Her caption doubled down and said, if you hate the original so much, why would you want to make the remake? Make it make sense. She got 730,000 likes. Another video was posted over the weekend by creator Christopher Claflin. He called the changes to the storyline a slap in the face to the original creators and for that got 1.5 million likes. Yeah, now the son of the director of that 1937 cartoon has given quotes to The Telegraph where he said, it's a whole different concept and I just totally disagree with it and I know my dad and Walt, as in Walt Disney, would also very much disagree with it. An interesting comment considering they didn't write the story. (laughs) They just repurposed it too. I do get a slight sense from this guy that he's just desperate to throw his hat in the ring. It's like, my dad directed the cartoon (laughs) and I know Walt Disney. (laughs) uh, I'm not sure about this. I mean, it's, it's, I understand why there is like perhaps a comical layer to some of the quotes where I know people will want to pick up the weird, weird themselves. Like I can understand that. But there's a whole lot of um, faux outrage about this. And I don't love watching Rachel Zegler be made the fall guy for all of it. Yeah. I think 
people really, really despise what they perceive as ungratefulness. I think we can see that time and time again. And it's like, Rachel Zegler should be so grateful that she's got this role and so grateful to what? The story of Snow White, that we can't change history. And if we do change history, we have to be very delicate Mm. about it. It just feels like the number one thing people hate on the internet right now. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I agree with you. I think a lot of it is her perceived ungratefulness. I think a lot of it is as well this kind of commentary that is it actually problematic to show stories that were written in the 1800s and let them be what they were? And is it problematic to tell women that falling in love or wanting that great love story is anti-feminist or somehow not something we want in 2023? I've seen a lot of women on TikTok say, I don't want to be a leader. Yeah, I want that great love and I shouldn't be shamed for that and I shouldn't be made to feel like I am lesser than because that's something I want. And I think there's, I think there's room for all of it. I think it is jarring to older generations in particular and I think we've seen a lot of think pieces in publications like The Telegraph about this. It's jarring for older generations to see a 22-year-old completely discard something that brought them a lot of joy. And I don't think that's Rachel Zegler's fault. I think a lot of young people don't feel an affinity for things that were written decades ago. They don't have to. And they don't have to. But equally, I don't blame anyone who likes the original Snow White story and developed an attachment to it as a child and doesn't want it to be completely rewritten. The main thing I want to take to task is why the hell... Do we need to continually redo existing pieces of content? Can't Disney just create new things? Well, clearly they don't have enough faith in their own ability to create a new story and for it to grab audiences. I think the other thing that would be remiss of us to ignore here as well is that there has been conversations about the backlash being racially fueled. Rachel Zegler is of Colombian and Polish heritage. And I think any time I see any level of outrage that just feels disproportionate, Mm. there has to be some level of racism and sexism at play. Like Mm. there has to be because no one can actually care this much about a story. Like you have to ask anyone who's this angry, what are you genuinely trying to protect here? Mm. That's the more important question to me. So I agree with you. Of course, people don't necessarily want to be patronised for wanting to fall in love or for not wanting to be a leader. But we've had so many conversations and so many stories have been told over the years that does focus on women falling in love. The pendulum is not even close to being swung the other way. So I don't really find this that disastrous at all. <laughs> it's an interesting one. I think I think Rachel Zegler's message was good. I think her delivery was perhaps slightly off. But she's also really young. She's really green to the industry. I'm not going to hold that against her. Both these interviews were done on the same night. I think she probably had a bad night. Oh, you're on a red carpet. It's stressful. Have you seen these interviews yeah, on TikTok? Yeah, I Adele? have. My overriding thought was just that she was probably fed those lines by the big producers because that's this changed premise of the movie. How interesting. Yeah, I also agree with that. Yeah. It's like this is the messaging that we want to get out, especially beforehand and especially because she came out a few times. We would have heard in both of those different quotes sort of similar structures of the sentence. It's not 1937 anymore. It was like 100 years ago. I am sure this is the messaging that they have wanted to curate. It just hasn't landed. And Gal Gadot is going like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's in the background completely. Absolutely. I'm not convinced this film is going to thrive. I think Disney executives would be freaking out. But if you ask me, the issue lies with the Disney executives and their execution of all of this, not the 22-year-old woman who's been made the face of it all. Completely. Our fifth and final story, married podcaster. Bobby Altoff addresses Drake rumours after deleting their viral interview. I'm nervous. That's from news.com. I'm nervous because I don't understand what's going on again. (laughs) Why are there always so many dramas we talk about? And then we're like, anyway, so we don't know. (laughs) This is chronically online. This story is so chronically online and we will do our best, guys, to try and make it make sense. Take it away. Okay. All right. So there is some serious shit going down between Drake and TikToker slash podcaster Bobby. If you have seen commentary around this but have no idea who Bobby is or what's been going on, we're going to try and surmise it as quickly as possible. For the unacquainted, Bobby has been mentioned once on Shameless before. It was in a very niche conversation about sharing photos of your kids online. <laughs> and I was like, does Bobby do it? Like, that, yeah, it wasn't even that like long ago, but I was like, oh, I guess on brand. We, on brand. We brought sure. Bobby in because she was an example at the time of protecting your kids' privacy while still making parenting content. So she has been known over the last few years primarily for parroting parenting content. She refers to her children as concrete 
and Richard. She doesn't tell her followers anything about them. She keeps their faces off camera and yet she still finds a way to talk about being a mum. We don't really know much about her real life because so much of her shtick is this parody content where she's playing a character. We do know that IRL, she's married to tech executive Corey Eltoff. Yeah, now at the time of recording, she has about 8 million followers across TikTok and Instagram. And recently she sort of went through, I guess, a slight rebrand. She's still known for her dry, deadpan style. Her persona is intentionally sort of disinterested, thick. It's a bit stupid. Like she pretends to, and like jokes go over her head. It's like a mixture of being bored, disinterested, sassy, and just like clueless. Yes, exactly. She doesn't really do parenting content anymore. Since June, she has a brand new podcast called The Really Good Podcast, where she interviews celebrities. There's only been a handful of episodes so far, but she's scored some huge names. She's had Mark Cuban, Tiger, and biggest of all, Drake. Drake. I would say Drake. I mean, I think he's consistently the most streamed artist on Spotify. So arguably the biggest musician in the world. A massive, massive get. Now, Bobby's interview with him was published in July and went completely viral. It racked up over 10 million views on YouTube incredibly quickly. They actually recorded the podcast, which was filmed from a bed. According to reports, it was Drake's hotel bed while he was on tour. It was a complete and utter hit. Like, I cannot emphasize that enough. It was probably the most streamed podcast episode of any podcast episode, I think, in July. It took Bobby from someone who was kind of famous to someone who was quite famous. Yeah, and the interview had quite a sort of slightly flirty vibe in moments anyway, I would say. At one point, Bobby asked Drake if she's his type, which I guess is a fundamentally flirty question, to which he essentially replied that he would, as in he would sleep with her. At another point, Bobby implies that Drake should buy her a Lamborghini and this led to a kind of social media groundswell that Drake should genuinely buy her a Lamborghini (laughs) as an in-joke for listeners of the podcast. (laughs) Can we do that with anyone? (laughs) Because she said to him, she's like, could you buy me a Lamborghini right now and not even feel it? Like not even notice that money has left your account. And he said, yes. So she was like, we'll do it then. And all the listeners were like, well, do it then. Yeah. Let's make it happen. Fans also delighted in one snippet of this podcast where Bobby's character pretended to have no idea who Tiger is. Upon pretending to not know who Tiger is, Drake insisted on playing at least 30 seconds of Tiger's biggest hit, Rack City Bitch. Then as the final cherry on top of the Sunday, Tiger appeared on one of the next episodes of the podcast, which was also a complete success and also went viral. Yeah. Now, this interview was a pretty big success in that it definitely seemed to serve both Drake and Bobby. A little over a week ago, Drake even invited her to a VIP area at his concert and she shared a photo of herself in character, having ostensibly a terrible time and captioned it, really in my element here at this guy's concert. So, <laughs> well, Annabelle liked that one. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> so, like, We've got a ball rolling. Like things didn't just stop at the podcast. They're clearly, they're following each other on social media. She's being invited to his concert. There is like some kind of connection forming here. Then out of nowhere, the podcast episode was scrubbed clean from every corner of the internet and Bobby and Drake unfollowed each other on Instagram. From there, rumours went wild. The main rumour was that these two had slept together and Bobby's marriage was now over. She unfollowed him as a response to her marital problems. He then unfollowed her. Then we had a rumour that this was all a PR stunt and somehow a way to get more attention out of us and that more things were coming. Then we had a rumour that Drake was taking advantage of Bobby and trying to fuck her over as someone that's new to the media business. Now, Bobby has only addressed one of these rumours, the rumour that she had sex with Drake and her marriage is over. She actually DM'd the founder of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy, to say, I am not commenting publicly, but off the record, that is not true. Dave Portnoy then took an off-the-record comment and made it public by telling everyone <laughs> what she said. Yeah, exactly. She shared a screenshot of those messages to her story after Dave started talking about them, elaborating further, saying, I did not want to do this podcast in the first place and now so much negativity is coming from it. What is that? What do you mean I didn't want to do this podcast in the first place? I didn't want to. She DM'd Drake to get Drake on the podcast. I'm so why so are you saying I didn't want to do it? 
Yeah, it's super confusing. One of the theories that could check out, but I'm still cagey on this bit too, that as part of agreeing to do the podcast, Drake had Bobby agree to his team being fully in charge of the edit. Now, I could see that happening. Drake is an expert of this stuff, the business of media, audio, brand, and his team left in 30 seconds of him playing out the song Rack City Bitch by Tiger. Now, anyone who works in podcasting or music or audio you or copyright. You are aware of this if you, you work in audio. You just don't even play, I mean, we don't even play snippets here out of, of music, fear. Yeah. Of, of anything music-y. music-y. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't. Like, we've had this conversation, like, when we did a series on Fleetwood Mac, we were like, could we use a song really quickly? Like, what can we do? We've always erred on the side of caution because when it comes to a song and using a song in a podcast, it's so easy to breach copyright. Exactly. It feels outrageous to me that Drake wouldn't have known that this does breach. Copyright? Yeah. yeah, Tiger's copyright, his record label's copyright. And so them leaving it in, is it giving them the option to what? Later pull it down? Yeah, this is the theory. This is the theory that Drake intentionally played that 30 seconds in the episode because he knew what he was doing. He knew his team was going to edit it. And by keeping the 30 seconds in, it gives him a lever to pull that if suddenly he doesn't want this up anymore for a personal reason, professional reason, branding reason, whatever, he can flag it as copyright and get this thing immediately taken down. Not only that, when it comes to breaching copyright on YouTube, often the creator has to actually pay all ad revenue to the person whose copyright they've breached in their video. So it's a way not just to get the video taken down, but take away a big paycheck from Bobby. If you're getting 15 million views on a video, that's about $80,000 in ad revenue. That sounds fine. Like all of that sounds fine until I get to the question of why. Like I, I get the what, I get the how. Why the hell would the biggest musician in the world or one of the biggest musicians in the world care? Why would he say yes to the podcast, do the podcast, see it go really well and then decide I'm going to fuck this girl over? It doesn't make any sense at all. Unless you're like a psycho. I worry we might not ever find out. (laughs) I don't know. Well, Bobby's not speaking. And I imagine like Drake is so powerful. Powerful. Yeah, you'd have to be careful. Drake is so powerful. But like why? What's happened? I don't know. And so that's our explainer. (laughs) And that's our answer. We don't know. But at least you are with us now in the trenches of not knowing. Yeah. And I, this will keep me up at night. It 100%. has been. And I need answers. Do you know what? Bobby will toffle write a memoir in 20 years and we'll find out then. We'll still be doing We'll still show. be doing Shameless. Yes. <laughs> All right, everyone. We'll, we'll still be doing book club and we'll read Bobby <laughs> and we'll a memoir. We'll chat to you then. <laughs> Guys, that is all we've got time for. If you want to support the show, you know what to do. Click follow on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. That helps other people find the show and um, helps us in turn. Yeah, big thank you to the gal on my right, Annabelle Lee, Aww. for audio editing this episode and being our producer. Of course, we are your hosts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Come follow us on Instagram at Shameless Podcast, TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast. Back in New Year's on Monday. Bye. media this podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land always was always will be aboriginal land hello guys mish here i am the co-founder of shameless media thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time we're so grateful if you enjoy the stuff that we produce may i recommend our brand new podcast style ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.